Hello and welcome to Data Driven. In this episode, Frank and Andy chat with Tyler Broder. Tyler Broder is the CEO and co-founder of Cubos, the world's first cloud-based mission control software. Cubos's major TOM software is a cutting-edge mission control platform for low-Earth orbit satellites. Data and space. Does it get any cooler than that? Now on with the show. Hello and welcome back to Data Driven, the podcast where we explore the emerging fields of data science, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. With me on this epic road trip down the information superhighway is Andy Leonard. How are you doing, Andy? Good, Frank. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. A little bit of an adrenaline rush. Um, Yeah. If you're recording this on July 30th, 2021, and uh, we actually just completed a live stream. And uh, that live stream will probably end up being after this in the way things get published. <laughs> but um, ultimately, uh, the dog escaped. I got the dog. Um, we had to cut the other live stream short. I guess the wonders of live television, as it were. And um, got, got my coffee and got my fresh adrenaline rush from running and driving through the neighborhood. Coffee. That's what I forgot. That's okay. <sighs> It's a little late for me to drink coffee. Now in my old age, you know, my birthday was Saturday. I turned 58. And Happy birthday. Thank you. But, you know, we've talked about this, I think, before. When I was a kid, 58 was old. I'm just saying. You know, and, you know, people were in wheelchairs, walking with canes and walkers and stuff. And, you know, when I when I turned 50, I ran a half marathon. Now, I, wasn't, I, I finished second to last, but I ran it. Okay. So there. But you did it. You did I did it, it right? And 50, I, I got 50 is the new 40, 60 is the new. I think you're right, you know, and it's just, it turns out, I think that we know a handful of things we didn't know when I was a kid. And it's like, this take care of yourself, you know, it's, and I'm not, I promise you, I'm not taking as good a care of myself as I should. I'm not the paragon of fitness by any stretch, but I drink. Well, the keto podcast never took off. Well, that, that, we haven't done that yet. Well, it's it's not dead yet, Frank. <laughs> not dead yet. But we did. We did keto I actually did not together. fast. You didn't fast. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, there, so it's perfect for me to talk about that. You and I have gone back and forth. We've done all sorts of stuff. We've helped each other out with trying to stay fit. I am more fit than I've been in a long time. And a lot of that's due to you and me interacting and just challenging each other to walk more steps on Fitbit and stuff like that. And I'm, I, I've passed a milestone that it's taken me a while to get back to. I am now under 210. I was 209 this morning, which is. Oh, that's awesome. From, you know, 238, 240, uh, about a year ago. So slowly no, awesome. making the way down, no sugar, eating less, eating smaller, and uh, actually, a little bit more meals. It's weird the way that works out. You eat like five or six times a day, and but it's a handful, and it helps. Interesting. So, yeah. And then keto. I've done keto cool. before. I'm not doing keto now, but I have done it in the past, and I got below 200 on keto last time. I remember I saw you, and I'm like, I heard your voice. This is back in the before time when we can actually. I remember. Yeah, this was a couple of years and ago. And I was like, I heard your voice, but I'm like, it can't be that skinny, dude. 
And like you turn around, it was you. I'm like, holy crap, you did lose a lot of weight. I did. And you have too. You've dropped a point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're so um, yeah. I'm really super excited about our guest today. I am too. I want to know more about this business and this mission We're talking about thing. space. We are. And Tyler Browder is our yes. guest today. Did I say that correct? I didn't ask beforehand. Was it is that right? Or how do you pronounce no, it? No, that's uh, Browder. That's perfect. Oh, yeah, you okay. got it. Because awesome. to me, it looks like it rhymes with Crowder. And, you know, that's why I it's spelled or a G instead of a C. Chowder. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Or Chowder. Yep. Yeah. Chowder. Um, you, yeah. Browder Chowder. That's a, that's, a, yeah. that's not a thing, but you could you, you can make it a thing. If you, if you ever decide to change industries, that's right. you could <laughs> open up a soup shop. That's a could. Well, you but know. I can't imagine you want to change industries because you are in one of the coolest spaces and i use that term kind of uh intentionally I get it. um you're part of that new wave of space entrepreneurship uh so you're uh you're the ceo and co-founder of kubos hopefully i pronounced that right uh, that's great and yeah that is not some kind of hip um version of kubernetes uh it's no. actually a cutting edge mission control platform for low earth orbit satellites yeah that's that's right we we um yeah, we're a startup that builds a, a cloud-based mission control. So we basically take in everything you see in the Apollo movies and all those people in one and we put it into a laptop, right? Um, oh, nice. And allow us to scale, allow us to innovate, allow us to uh, build on top of modern stacks. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, a pretty interesting place to be, uh, to be frank. So, so um, I mean... So what exactly? So I've often wondered that, right? So you'll hear this this kind of statistic bantered around that you have more power in your, you know, your Android or iPhone than all of NASA had during the Apollo Moon missions. Sure. Yet when we still see when we see kind of mission control, it's still that big kind of, you know, if you think back to the movie War Games, right? Like the big, like, crazy kind of screens and stuff like that. But you said you condensed it down to a laptop, which from processor wise, I'm. I can totally see that being the case. Sure. So, sure. so why would that be the case? And like, what, what's what's ha what's so important about low Earth or orbit as opposed to kind of regular orbits? Well, you know, honestly, we do all the orbits. Uh, low Earth is what um, is is particularly hot right now. There's lots and lots of spacecraft going into low Earth orbit, so that's something that we have really latched onto. But you know, we think of our platform as agnostic of size, agnostic of orbit, and agnostic of what the payload is. So we get into lots of crazy things uh, in lots of different orbits, um, not in an orbit. We we get into, um, you know, we see lots of different proposals and different ideas and missions come across. And so we, uh, we really see ourselves as more of a foundational infrastructure to anything you want to do in space. Interesting, interesting. Um, so, so what sorts of infrastructure do you, do you need to get into space aside from kind of the obvious, you know, we, you know, last couple of weeks, Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos have, have gone into space, Richard Branson and kind of a modern looking thing. And I'm not going to talk about <laughs> what Jeff Bezos went up in, but I would say that I'm sure Sigmund Freud is looking down at us and giving us a nod, nudge and a wink. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, so we we primarily focus on um, 
non-human space flight. So, mm-hmm. uh, right. So machines in space, um, and you need, you need to build the hardware, right? You need to test it and all those things. You need a rocket to get you up to where you want to go. Uh, and then you need uh, a radio to be able to communicate in space. So there's a whole infrastructure on the ground that, that is a big antennas, right? Everywhere. And then you need, once you collect it in an RF signal, you need a place to send it. Uh, and then you need a place to go back, right? The data that comes down, you need a place to store it. You need a place to understand it and then need a way to send back information to your spacecraft to do whatever you want to. That's where we come in. So we sit at the end uh, or, if you will, the beginning of that chain. We collect the data. We understand the data. We display the data for our customers. uh, And then when our customers need to tell the satellite something, they initiate it through us. We facilitate all that process up to the spacecraft. So data in space. Uh, or on the ground, right? So uh, mm-hmm. all over the place. So, you know, we particularly focus on, so all the spacecraft uh, has different sensors all through it, right? Some are taking pictures, but others are just the battery temperature and the voltage and the computer. All that data we collect, right? And so then we display that, we understand it, we process it for our customers and allow you to make decisions about what you need to do. Oh, my battery is getting too hot. I need to shut down something to cool off for a little bit or it's draining too much. We are the ones who built the platform so that you can understand your spacecraft uh, and get the data back up to your spacecraft to get more data down, right? The satellites are only valuable if they send you back stuff, right? If they don't send you anything, they're not valuable. Um, they're, They're just a brick in space. And so we enable, we're about realizing value from spacecraft. So it sounds like there's some overlap then on, you know, maybe like an 80-20 rule is in play here where all satellites produce, you know, some types, there's certain types of data, the same types of data, it sounds like. And, you know, and and you're aggregating or at least at a minimum collecting the instrumentation data for that 80%. Is that fair? Yeah, that that's fair. So you know, we we view it as with a satellite. There mm-hmm. there are two big buckets of data. We call one the bus data, which is all the satellite subsystems, the batteries, the solar panels. You know, the core things that every spacecraft needs. You all need solar panels. You need batteries. You need a computer. You need some way to turn your spacecraft. Those are called the bus. And then you have the payload, which is the sensor. Uh, that you're the whole point of your spacecraft, right? Taking pictures, pictures, doing IoT communications scientific research uh, and so we primarily focus on the bus data right all the di- how 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 to make sense of our spacecraft understand the health of our spacecraft make sure that our spacecraft is pointed the right way tell the spacecraft take a picture of you know this place next week uh, that's really what we're focusing on um, as opposed to most people focus on you know what image is getting down or what you know or how much packets am i moving through and communicating through or the tv streams that i'm pushing we we focus uh on the bus data uh the satellite data itself and understanding uh how to actually operate uh these things in an efficient way and get down data in an efficient way understand what's happening with our spacecraft so I, now i'm curious is there is there stuff and you may not be even able to answer this question is there stuff that you can't talk about uh, there's most certainly things I cannot talk about. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, so you were least able to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Got it. Yeah, the, you know, space, you know, as an industry historically has had its roots in government and in national security 
in you know as a as a government play over the last 20 years really 10 years space has be definitely become more commercialized but there's still this this culture of wanting to keep things quiet about what you're doing you know some some don't describe ascribe to that right we have some characters in our industry who are very much about telling everyone everything but uh, you know as a whole our customers would like to be a little more quiet uh, about what they're doing. So I, I could tell you some things, but I can't tell you everything um, yeah, sure. about all the data we do. That's interesting. That That's, it, I mean, plus I think the, the space industry in itself is kind of an inflection point. Like you said, it's primarily been a defense government Intel type of world, but now you have billionaires bouncing around up there, throwing sure. money at it, but sure. not just, you know, not just the famous billionaires. I know that there's, there's, um, there's a couple of firms that are looking at mining asteroids, right? So right. obviously well outside Earth orbit, but but still <laughs> kind of conceptually the idea of space exploitation as opposed to space exploration, which That's was right. kind of the future we were promised and, as kids. But, you know, you, <laughs> but you're actually bringing it about. And I think it's a brilliant business model because you're focusing on the stuff that, you know, if I'm if I want to go up and take pictures of, um, I don't know, um, Camaros from space or something like that. I don't know. Right. Like, I don't care. I don't, I just want to get my data that I want to get off there. I don't care about the bus in that. It's just a vehicle. That's right. It's a vehicle. Um, That vehicle needs to be managed. That vehicle needs to be checked up on, updated, uh, cared for to some degree. And then if you're wanting to put a lot up there, there's this continuous cycle of replenishing the constellation, more satellites going up, satellites that are decaying. Uh, and so there's a we have to be able to manage that that system, that network of spacecraft. That's really the problems we're trying to solve. And right now, the industry is really exploding, right? Lots of things are going up, uh, record number of spacecraft. The projections are kind of off the charts compared to what we've done historically as, a, as an industry. And just the modern, the, 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 the traditional tools to operate spacecraft, you know, one big spacecraft out there uh, is different than a thousand spacecraft everywhere, right? And so we have to adapt our tool. We have to improve our tools. And you can't scale it in an economical way from some server in a closet that's tied, that's not connected to anything, right? And so what we're doing is taking that server in the closet and not connected to anything, putting it in the cloud, scaling it, connecting it to everything, and allowing us to be better operators, more efficient, and economically bring down the cost. Interesting. That's pretty cool, Tyler. That, that yeah. really is. So do you... Uh, just you mentioned the cloud. Or, or I'm, I'm curious. Are you cross cloud platforms? Have you picked one uh, provider? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Right now, we use both AWS and Azure, uh, okay. and we have relationships with Amazon and Microsoft to uh, work together on these types of things. Very cool. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's just fascinating that that you know you go from kind of the old paradigm. And defense and, and, and that sort of thing is, is very much, took them a while, I think, to get used to the idea of cloud. Yeah. And um, and I and I say that because when I was at Microsoft, you know, I was doing federal sales. So, yeah, you get um, but I, I can imagine, though. So, so it's interesting. It's almost like you mentioned Constellation. And I think I know what you meant. You're not talking about uh, astronomy or astrology. You're talking about um, instead of having one expensive satellite in orbit. Like you did in the Sputnik kind of fifties and sixties, um, I'm assuming you mean you have hundreds, 
maybe thousands of 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 satellites up in the air, and they all have to communicate with one another. Is that about right? Yeah. So I'll give you a little bit more on that. Like, so instead of one big spacecraft, right, that, that costs a billion dollars, what they're doing is is taking lots of little spacecraft, but yeah, it's taking a little bitty spacecraft that costs way less and putting up hundreds and thousands of these uh, in mm. orbit. So what that gives you, one spacecraft can only see what it can see at that particular time on the Earth. Mm-hmm. Thousand spacecraft can see everything all at once, right? Mm-hmm. All over the Earth. So it gives you the coverage that you need for certain you know, applications. But how do you manage a thousand spacecraft? Well, one, one way one of our engineers likes to say, we have to move from treating spacecraft like pets to treating them like cattle, right? They're, they're, it's about the group and not about the individual precious little thing that we love as part of our family. Now, this is about the system. If one dies, it doesn't take down the whole network. If you have one spacecraft and it has a failure on it, there you go. That The billion dollars gone, where if you have a whole, even if you spend a billion dollars creating a thousand spacecraft and one goes down, you have not lost your entire constellation. You just throw up a new spacecraft. And so that's really the new business model that's happening. And part of that's driven by hardware costs, you know, miniaturization and hardware costs, uh, launch costs is coming down. And what we're trying to solve is that last piece is the operation cost. Because these satellites can be up there from three to five. Some of our customers are 15 years in orbit. You know, that it takes you two years to build it, one day to launch it, and then you're going to operate for 15 years. Where the long pole is here is in operations. And so people have addressed satellites you know, going from big to small. Obviously, we're seeing lots of activities with rockets being cheaper, reusability. What we're addressing is the third part is operations. So right, this and there's no. Lot... Go ahead, Frank. Sorry. Oh, and there's no parking up next to it and fixing it. <laughs> but... Yeah. Well, honestly, there are a lot of people trying to do that, but but mm-hmm. it's still in in, in prototype stage. Um, but but yeah, these these were the ultimate distributed network, right? Uh, you know, there's no say... access. It's a bit like the Hadoopification of space, right? Like, That's right. I mean, no, I mean, think about it. Like, you know, I you like have it. your database server and, you know, yeah. the whole idea of Hadoop and you know, now Spark or wherever, whatever the future will take us is that you do have a herd. You don't, you know, if, if server X goes down, oh, shucks, spin yeah. up another one, spin up another right. VM. That's right. That's right. And that's, that's the future we're building. Um, not all our customers are, are quite there yet. Uh, and not yeah. all of our uh, constellations are there, but that's, that's where we're moving towards um, that kind of future. So, so Tyler, what I was going to ask is, has anyone coined the term space ops? Space ops is a, a, a term that's thrown away. There's actually a space off ops, ops conference. Uh, there's a, yeah, there's, there, there is one. There's uh, another term is like, you know, trying to blend like dev space ops, right? So DevOps and space ops and yeah. try to blend these. Nothing's really stuck, you know, yeah. universally adopted yet, but there's there's different flavors of it. That's kind of cool. I love the way you're you're thinking about it because as so I'm a uh, I'm a consultant um you know in, in my day job and um you know I, I joke with my kids about putting on my consulting costume. Um, and when I get on a call, it's just a shirt, right? I'm wearing some some shorts here, but um, you know, it's, it's not that type whole of show. Idea. Well, I, <laughs> I've said something very similar to what you just said about the Mangus part of that. Um, it, it's yeah. you know, sometimes I do data warehousing, and we'll get into you know, they're always a capital budget project. 
I mean, when you do something like this, and it spans months. It used to always span years. It doesn't necessarily have to anymore because there's a lot of design patterns and kind of pieces and parts that you snap together these days. And the cloud has accelerated a lot of that as well. But that's what I used to talk to directors and C-levels about is you're going to spend, let's say you're going to spend, we'll, we'll pick a relatively low number. We'll say you're going to spend $100,000 on, you know, building a, probably just a data model, something smallish. And then it's going to run for probably north of five years and maybe 10. Um, you're going to spend way more money managing that. And if you were to spend maybe $110,000 and give you give give us a little bit of time to add some instrumentation and some visualizations to that almost like a data mark for the data mark. Would that be a metadata mark or a data meta mark? I don't know. But this whole idea, sure. right, of of instrumenting the you know the instruments almost so that you can watch, you can manage. Does it is it growing and and catch things before. They, they get out of control. It, yeah. it that's that's kind of, I don't know if that's even close. No, no, I think that's right. I, I think that is close. That's a good parallel. We um, uh, to what we're doing. We you know, we we put the space spin on it and the, the 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 concerns you have in space. But but really, at the end of the day, what we're doing is monitoring. What we're doing is understanding, giving information, and giving you actions that you could take to correct. If there's anomalies, or if you're just flying, you know, well, and and then obviously automation is a big part of this. Um, so there's not always a human because these things operate 24 hours a day. You know, we we need to automate this, right? Reduce human interaction in this so that we can have quality of life, honestly. But we can we could do more, right? Humans are limited in their capacity, but we could do um, spacecraft, right? Right now, you know, what we found is that our when you do this and you're operating something for 24 hours a day for years on years, you know, our, our customers spend a lot of time in our product, as you would imagine, right? They're having 24 hour shift schedules. I mean, the average user in our product spends nine hours a day on our product working on it. Wow. I mean, so I mean, one, it's, we're just incredibly crucial to the operation success. You spend hundreds, if not millions of dollars, on the spacecraft, you spend another hundreds, if not millions, of dollars on this on the launch, and then you um, you spend all your time trying to get down. If you if we you know if we aren't there, then you can't get your data. We we don't want to do that, so we put a lot of time and reliability, even our own infrastructure, making sure that we can see everything. So yeah, we we um, it's a very honored place to be right now with our customers. That that's really cool because I think it would be better to know ahead of time you know when something shifts one degree or you know a fraction of a percent out and and if your software is able to say hey we've seen this before and we need to do something you know now's the time to at a minimum look at this um because if we let it go something bad's going to happen you know the, the craft may become disabled or it may fall or, or you know, yeah. there can be some really expensive bad things that happen. But, you know, I mean, it, I think knowing, just being, you know, managing the expectation. If you know a failure is about to occur, you can decide, do I send another one up? 
do I just do without this one? Have I got enough coverage beside it? Because it's a it's a constellation, as you said. So that, those all sound kind of so, cool so, to me. You know, we we could even take that idea one step further, and that's what that what we do. You know, having these all that data about your performance of your spacecraft, right, and the detecting anomalies and being able to predict failures, your battery voltage is starting. You know, the capacity is going down. You know that means you got about three months left on this bird, and then it's done, right? That's only within your ecosystem, right? If we when we had it on the on the server in the closet, now that we put it onto the the cloud, and now that we're being able to aggregate from lots of different types of spacecraft and types of infrastructure, we're able to to get better insights into performance, right? Across different types of spacecraft, different types of subsystem providers and vendors, and be able to really be able to say with a lot more confidence that we've seen this before and we can help you avoid these disasters uh, and reduce, you know, the impact on your business that this could happen. That's just an extra level of value you would would have. And I I also imagine you could provide feedback to all the way back uh, to the uh, the manufacturers, the suppliers, and say, hey, you know, this model and the may, maybe even this run of battery that's shared across different people's satellites, you know, you this, these seem to be doing really, really well, or they don't seem to be doing as well as the average. And, you know, that that gets into to some really neat supply chain stuff. You can start signaling back to the manufacturers and even maybe the plants. I don't know, whatever, you know, whatever the trend is. Well, and then we, we add one more, one more dimension to this type of, of data is our customers use major Tom in, um, in development and in manufacturing of their space. Love that name. All their testing. (laughs) I love the name major Tom. (laughs) It it definitely sticks with you, right? Uh, It's good. So you you have you have all this testing of your spacecraft, right? We have these you know testing environment, but you also test on real hardware, and so you get the battery performance or the the CPU performance on Earth, and then you go to space. There's nothing like space; you can't really replicate the environment perfectly here on Earth. So now we get to also see well, you thought you would get this performance, but you're actually getting this performance on Earth. I mean, on space, we can then collect that from all the different types of spacecraft, different kinds of users. Um, and get a really broad view that has honestly not been seen and not been aggregated in the industry before. That's awesome. I mean, that's fascinating because like as we get more and more devices in orbit, they become a vector for data and kind of this long haul um, predictive modeling and kind of all that other stuff. And all the way back to what Andy said about like, well, you know, if you have chipset XYZ, and battery, you know, ABC, yeah, you may, you're not going to get 15 years out of that one. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. And then right. plus, if you had the better information, because even if, 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 let's just say a device failed, um, there is, uh, to get a replacement, let's say if you did need a replacement sooner rather than later, like, you know, you're beholden to a lot of things, whether um, launch permissions, it's like probably sure. a whole laundry list of things I'm not even aware of. Sure. But I remember uh, when satellite radio was a big thing, there was, you know, one of the things that XM, it was might have been XM, might have been serious. They said, like, you know, oh, and we have three other satellites ready to go in case one of them fails. Like, you yeah, know, right. and I thought about, like, ready to go. Like, well, you know, not like I can, it's not like 
I'm sure it would not be able to launch in moments notice. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's 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 right. Well, uh, what I what I, the one thing I'm really excited, you know, about this whole ability to aggregate all this data, performance data of each individual substance, is that we can provide it to the vendors who manufacture. We can create better uh, subsystems. We can improve our performance now that we're getting real data because sometimes these vendors don't get that data, right? They don't have any idea really how their their performance is happening uh, or can't, you know, be able to look back in time and see the pattern, you know, that maybe we missed while we're doing it, but now we know there was a failure. We look back, now we can detect the pattern. And a lot of these are like interconnected, right? It's not as simple as the single battery temperature voltage, right? Or whatever. It may be connected to what's happening way elsewhere within the entire bus. And so these are things that we, I'm excited about being able to provide to the industry. Um, That's very, very cool. cool. Yeah. So we have uh, kind of a standard set of questions that we typically sure. ask data people. And I'm not saying you're not a data person, but I'd really <laughs> like to kind of zoom out and, and put them in the context of, of uh, your work now, especially our first question. And, and we ask, um, you know, how did you find your way into space? Uh, did you find space or did space find you? Uh, space found me. Um, I, I don't have, um, you know, one thing that's great about people who work in this industry is they have a real passion for it. They got into it when they were young and dreamed of being an astronaut and then got into engineering and they got into this field and they're very intentional. Uh, my path is not so straightforward. Um, I, I'm more of a startup business person, entrepreneur by um, many measures. And so I had a co-founder who was um in space, uh, you know, we met through mutual friends. He had worked in space. He had worked in software engineering. That was his background. And he sat me over down over tacos and told me about what a satellite was. And that's if I would start a business with him to handle all that business stuff. And I said, yes. And uh, here we are. Uh, I didn't know anything about the industry and have learned it along the way. So, so you know, space found me um, uh, in that kind of winding path uh, to get here. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so our next question is, what's your favorite part of your current gig? Oh, yeah. I um, So uh, I'm the CEO, so I do a lot of things. But um, one of the primary things I do is interacting with customers. Uh, I'm a people person by, by nature. I like talking. Uh, and I also really, I, I get the privilege of hearing about what's coming next in space you know what's the next mission what's the next innovation what's the new in technology that we're going to use are we going to the moon we're going to mars we're going to europa we're going where i get to hear about wild things that are just out there and i get to hear about things that are really interesting and practical and exciting and i love like understanding the the people in this industry and the innovation in this industry well, Frank and I are um, are fans of the books, um, The Expanse, and yeah. we don't know anything. I well, I won't speak for Frank. I don't know anything about you know space for real. I've been a science fiction fan because I've loved the stories about space since I was a kid. Um, I do have a friend, um, a good friend, who works at Goddard uh, Space okay. Center. And yeah. I've got to see a couple of launches um, as a result of that. One of them was, it was the last scheduled night launch of the shuttle. Uh -huh. 
Yeah, about oh, 10 wow. years ago. Um, they did one after that. It got bumped until it turned into a night launch, but sure. just incredible being able to do that. So it's while not trying to get cheesy and, you know, fanboy uh, about the science fiction pieces of it, hearing you say what you just said is it's got to be interesting. I mean, it's it's somebody's thinking about stuff that, like you said, is just kind of wild and crazy and out there. That's that's kind of interesting to, to hear that they're out there. And if the asteroids, of course, play a huge role in in the series, The Expanse. I don't know if you've read it or... They, they I actually have. I've, okay. I've read all of them, actually. So I'm oh, very, cool. yeah, very familiar with what you're talking about. So the last one's due out in, I think, November or something. So I can't... Oh, read. oh, I hadn't read that. Uh, okay, yeah. excellent. That's exciting. And it's like, it's something like Leviathan Sleeps. It's a playoff of the first one, Leviathan Wakes. Um, yeah, yeah. I can't wait. Um, yeah. So, a third question after that diversion, me geeking out. Um, we we do that a, a lot. We do. That. Fine. Uh, com- <laughs> it's one of it's our first of our three complete the sentences, okay. and the sentence is: When I'm not working, I enjoy. Uh, I I enjoy my kids. I I have a three year old and a nine year old, and they're a blast. Uh, we. Uh, my oldest is in competitive soccer and I, um, why I, I've never been a soccer person. I am now a soccer person. Uh, I love soccer. Uh, and my three-year-old, uh, she's really into playing doctor, you know, no. <laughs> checkups and all. And I, you know, I'm the patient and I, uh, just, just check me up. I love it. So that's, that's what I do. Uh, if I'm not talking about space, I'm playing with my kids. Cool. Kids are awesome. They're great. Uh, next question is, I think the coolest thing in technology today is. Uh, all right. All right. So. That here, you can here, talk here. about. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Here, here's what I. So I'm going I'm to take a little bit different angle here. Okay. Because this is, this is what I believe. Um, and maybe this, you know, I don't know if it answers your questions directly, but this is what I, this is what I find interesting is like. I believe that the coolest thing about technology today is that it's the only way we're going to solve the climate change problem, the crisis that we're in. Like, I think we're way past the point of of uh, policy being able to save us here. And I think it has to be technology. And that is something for the future of my kids, uh, future of all of our kids, that uh, technology is going to have to step up. And I find that's exciting to me, right? And because... Why I'm not directly involved in that per se, we, a lot of the satellites and customers we use are measuring climate change, right? This is a big part of how we understand what's happening on earth is through satellites. And so that's the role we're playing in that. But I just think that's, you know, climate change could be looked as a very sad thing. And I'm very excited about the way that we can solve it with technology. No, and I, I agree with you. I used to work in government relations. I'm in the DC area. Yeah. And I assure you, policymakers don't get around to something until it's a crisis because they wait for something to be a crisis so they can get away with what they want to get away with. Right. On the plus side, though, I did actually meet an astronaut in person uh, yeah. at, at we- an event for kids. Uh, I forget his name, though, but I was, you know, kids were all excited about it. And yeah. like, 
I'm a grown man. I'm excited about meeting him. <laughs> you know, that's you that's know? two things I haven't done. Y'all both mentioned the two things. I've not met, met an astronaut, and I've never seen a rocket launch. And so you guys are both one up me here. And so now oh, I'm, no. you know, I want to be you guys. Uh, I was uh, in Florida in Orlando for the last shuttle launch. Oh, wow. You know, 90 miles away. But sure. Like, but you, I remember, yeah, I've been out there and seen them. Yeah. It was um, it was Tech Ed, which was a, it was a Microsoft conference and things like that. Yeah. And I think my mom had come down to to meet me in Florida, and we get out of no joke. It might have been Olive Garden or something, Red Lobster or whatever. Sure. I totally forgot about the launch because a lot of people were headed over to Cape Canaveral, and I'm like, uh. so anyway, um, we get out of like the restaurant, and it's like, hey, look, <laughs> there's that thing. So that, that was that was my soul rocket launch. Point. There's that thing. Something. Somebody's doing something somewhere uh, over it. there. No, it was uh, cool because it was like around sunset. So like some of the some of the the vapor trail. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. Was dark. Some of it was red. Some of it was bright. Yeah, that's cool. It was. I was like, wow, that's really cool. I took pictures, but it just didn't do it justice. Well, they uh, do. Um, one of the crew SpaceX crew launches i i want to say it was about four or five months ago i don't think it was the last one mm-hmm. but the one before that um flew north and mm. it was high enough so that i could see it um south i could see it from the south to the east here in farmville nice. and it was it was before it was light but the sun hadn't risen yet so of course there's the sun's shining on that I got some video yeah. of it, and it's out on my Instagram. Um, it was—I yeah. didn't get the best shot because I went in after I'd taken like thirty seconds of video, and I was sure. trying to wake up my older sons. Come look at this! Look at this! <laughs> They're rocking. But um, I'm—I just—I get all giggly inside when I see it, Tyler. I can—I can hear it in your voice. You just say, "You just like I, I, <laughs> I want to see it." I also—I really want to do is see because we deal with satellites. I don't directly deal with rockets but i really want to go to a rocket factory and i just gotta i just gotta sweet talk my way in there because there's no business for me being in there but i just want to go right and i think i can get enough connection so if if you're listening and you know me that's what i want to do i want to go to the rocket uh, factory so whoever knows somebody uh let's talk because that's what that that is a request to our audience that's right it's a fucking list it's a it's small, cool. it's a small industry. You know, space really yeah. is a small industry, but um, those are you, you, you guys are, you're hitting all the things that I, I still need to do uh, in oh, this man. industry. Well, you're doing plenty that we didn't do. So we're even <laughs> going to say we're way closer to the action than we are. Right now. True. My closest thing was walking out of Red Lobster and seeing, <laughs> and seeing the show launch. I would take that. Uh, that'd be fine. Yeah. I'll take that right now. Uh, that'd be great. Be great. So our third and final uh, complete the sentence. I look forward to the day when I can use technology to blank. Never drive again. Uh, I I I don't I don't want to drive again. Uh, I don't. You know. I want to be able that you. Would, I would teach my daughters how to drive just because it's one of those life skills like changing a tire, but not because she'll ever use it in her everyday life. That's the future. And rocket planes. To get to Tokyo in an hour—that's that's the other one. Oh, that that's I'm, cool. Uh, yeah, you know, I've done a lot of before. You know, in our before times, I did a lot of traveling, a lot of international traveling, and I would love a rocket plane. That would be great. You know, so uh, those are the two things I would like uh, technology to do. 
that would be cool. I I'm I'm with you on the self driving car. I, <laughs> well, I you used to really DC. like driving. Well, we I used really to really like driving, it. and then I had a commute in the DC area, and I'm like, I right. just despise it. <laughs> we want self driving uh, tractors in farm. I'm just saying. There you go. <laughs> you know, it's not a tractor, but you know what? There was uh, I was driving somewhere, and uh, it was somewhere in Hagerstown, Maryland. We were headed up to Pittsburgh, where my in laws are, and. Um, I look at the side of the car. We park somewhere to to get gas, and I look, and it was basically a self and autonomous lawnmower. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, I was yeah those are like, things. Yeah, I was like, whoa! And I, my kids saw it, and like you know, one of them was like, "Wow, that's cool!" And he goes, "Man," went right back to his iPad. Like, okay. <laughs> I saw this in a game hey. yesterday, Dad. I saw this in a game. That's Some YouTuber right. covered it the other day. That's like, right. You know, it's just it's just like okay. Yeah. <laughs> but um uh so our next question is share something different about yourself. But remember oh. it's a family podcast and we love having that uh, clean rating on iTunes. Okay. Sure. I um I had a career uh, about a decade ago at this point in country music. Interesting. Uh, I worked in Nashville and I worked, uh, I was a recording engineer. So I do sessions and push all the faders and all that stuff and in in music row. And, um, you know, and uh, that's part of my, my background, part of who I am uh, is the music element of it. All right. Who'd you meet? Oh, um, you know, so <laughs> I, I was an intern uh, for a long oh. time. And so I met some people. Uh, and, uh, then I graduated to house engineer. Um, and so I met some other people that way and I met some other people. Other thing. I don't think I'm allowed to talk about names. who I met, but not I'm not going to mention any names. Okay. Uh, most you. of the people I met were session engineers who you wouldn't okay. know. Uh, there were a couple artists who came through. Um, and, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about those things either. So a lot of the coolest I've, things about life I can't talk about. Uh, yeah, I understand <laughs> So I've actually been in a recording studio. I um, uh, I got a job playing saxophone on weekends with a '50s band back yeah. in the '70s. I started when I was okay. 16, and then I played guitar um, some and with a country band, and then I was with an alternative band that did Christian original Christian music for about ten years. Okay. We went into the studio and did some yeah. demos and you yep. know, tapes. So I'm vaguely familiar with yeah. it you know i've been yeah. in the room <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah well the, that hey there you go that be that's where i lived early on in my uh my my mid-20s that's where that's what i did i i it's the only thing i'm actually trained to do uh from a college degree standpoint is record nice. people's music um and uh but yeah nashville is a great town um and uh you know i grew up in texas so nashville the whole okay. country and all that stuff nice. is a uh, a part of who i am even though i i live uh very far away from those places uh but anyway uh it, it is it's a fun part of my past um and um yeah it's a piece of who i am country music that is very cool. that is an interesting uh different thing about you so thanks for sharing oh, yeah my pleasure so, our, you know, when you write your autobiography someday, I definitely want to listen to that audio book. Yeah, yeah. Our next question, because oh, okay. we go from country music, kind of recording engineer 
into space entrepreneur. That's that's definitely <laughs> that's an interesting story right there. Like that's well, there there was more twists and turns. It was not a straight <laughs> path from those two things. Uh, it uh, it's uh, yeah. I I I'm not I'm someone who's not afraid to do things I don't know how to do, um, and to try things and learn as I go and make a bunch of mistakes and ask for help. And so uh, I've gotten into um, my, I've raised an entrepreneur family. My father's an entrepreneur. He still owns a very successful psychiatric healthcare business. Uh, So I worked in that for a long time. I've worked in rental homes, vacation homes in Vail and Breckenridge, Colorado. I've gotten into uh try to rec- start a uh, record label at one point uh, you know oh, i just kind of been a little bit of everywhere um doing a little bit of everything very cool that's so we we do ask uh where can people learn more about you Tyler? well uh cubos is uh you know a place you could go it's www.cubos.com which is k-u-b-o-s uh, personally, I'm on Twitter. I don't even, I think it's Tyler underscore Browder is my, uh, handle. And so, yeah, those are really the places to find out more about me. Cool. Cool. And do you listen to audiobooks? I do. In fact. Awesome. Do you have a favorite book you'd recommend? Well, I'm, I'm going through right now a, a book that I think is really good though. I haven't gotten to the end. Uh, it's the new project. Hail Mary by Andy uh, Weir. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, it's his new book. Um, super good, you know, space, sci-fi, all that stuff. I'm really big into sci-fi and then also like urban fantasy stuff, like the Dresden Files kind of stuff. Oh, cool. Uh, and I've listened to the entire Dresden series on Audible. And uh, yeah, I, I do a lot of Audible stuff. Very cool. Audible is a sponsor of the show. And uh, if you go to thedatadrivenbook.com, um, you'll get one free audiobook on us and help support the show. Uh, if you get a permanent subscription, I'm addicted to it. I looked today, I have 445 titles in my library. Oh, I may have wow. a problem. Yeah. No, 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 you don't have a problem. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I've seen problems. Those are not problems. <laughs> I actually just wrapped up uh, The Operator. Uh, which is the um, story of the guy, the Navy SEAL who shot Osama bin Laden. Very fascinating life story. Um, fascinating, kind of, it's an interesting, interesting story how he got there. Yeah, interesting. And, uh, that was pretty good. And I just started based on Andy's recommendation, Atomic Habits, which so far, uh, about 20 minutes in, and it's mind blowing. Yeah, I thought I, you had, uh, I thought you recommended that to me. I thought you'd already listened to Atomic Habits. No, no, I thought I was like, I think I was like, Hey, what do you think of this one? And I, I didn't know what to do with my credit. And I was just like, and then a squirrel ran by and then I got another book. Well, it, it's there a was fascinating a, story. I really, the first 20 minutes are just, you know, they are right. It was just I, I how he got injured and stuff. And yeah. It's no. just, it's interesting right. how it, that differentiated him and it ended up being kind of worked out for him over mm-hmm. the long haul. I don't want to spoil so I, it, but. I think Frank is very linear, and I may be speaking out of turn here, but Frank is very linear in like his approach to books. He'll do one, and then another, and then another. Yeah. I think yes and no. Of- I actually have like seven or eight open at once, and then I'll kind oh, of like okay. latch on to one, and then go linear on that. It's like a hybrid approach. So I'm, um, I'm more like that, and I was 
I was actually, I'm still reading the physical book about bullet journaling, the bullet journal method. Oh, and I listened to Atomic Habits in the middle of that. And I was like, okay, hold on. Hold on. I actually put down the bullet journal method, finished Atomic Habits, just like you just described, because I'm like, they, I'd gotten to the very early spot where they talk about habit tracking in bullet journaling. And I was like, I want to do more, like, it's, it's like a deep dive on habits. I want to get that into this. And I'm only a couple of months really into bullet journaling, but it was fascinating to do that. And I, I'm still a noob. I can't really speak to it. Um, it's, it's intriguing, and I'm noticing things about it that I never suspected about bullet journal. Interesting. I, like to, I recommend cool. Atomic Habits and, um, okay. and and that as well. And James Clear is the gentleman's name who wrote uh, Atomic Habits, and he I think okay. he reads his book. I love he it when authors read their books. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But now the Dresden series, I'm going to check that out. You're the second person to recommend it in almost as many oh, days. Some really, uh, uh, you know, it's it's. So I got into it. I got it into running, um, and uh, before 2020, I, I got into running, and that's all I was going to try to run a half marathon. And I needed to do these, have something to listen to, right? And so the Dresden Files is like 17 books or more, and so I could just get into it, right? And they were interesting it's a new you know it's a fantasy world about a wizard and all that and so it was easy to like get lost in it while i'm going on these i'm really slow so it took me a lot longer to run a half mile a half marathon than i should have uh so i needed something long that i could get through this whole training session so, so three yeah, hours you, you and understand. 45 minutes here that was my time I I I don't even remember. Mine was three thirty. I think. I think I barely beat you. So it was it was rough, man. Uh, <laughs> it was rough. I'm not fast um, either, but I was doing it, you know, for a different. It was kind of maybe you're doing it for the uh, same reason or similar. I just wanted to be able to kind of check the box, and I, it took me two years of training to do it. it yeah. It did, I, so. My wife had gotten into running, uh, okay. and. Uh, she encouraged me to get into running and we were going to do this together. And so, uh, you know, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. I need to get, I'm started getting back into it. Um, I got, you know, the work can kind of consume things, uh, but uh, I'm getting back into it now, trying to get it back into the thing and all that stuff. So it's um, great. To yeah. That's very cool. Well, thanks for joining us on the show. This was awesome. Anytime you get to talk about space and data and all that cool stuff, it's sure. like, it definitely satiates my inner geek and inner nerd. Good. Um, thanks for having us, and um, we'll let the nice British lady end the show. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys. Awesome. It's been great. Thanks for listening to Data Driven. We know you're busy, and we appreciate you listening to our podcast. But we have a favor to ask. Please rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you subscribe to us. You have subscribed to us, haven't you? Having high ratings and reviews helps us improve the quality of our show and rank us more favorably with the search algorithms. That means more people listen to us, spreading the joy. And, can't the world use a little more joy these days? Now, go do your part to make the world just a little better and be sure to rate and review the show.